just try to think about a more global perspective of this kind of subject matter, we hopefully will be less quick to judge and more open to listen here. When art intersects reality, especially real subjects that are affecting people in real time, there's something special there because we open a conversation. Don't wait for your call, create your own work. Like, do your own work and speak your truth directly and strongly. Hello, and welcome to the Theatre Art Life podcast, sponsored by Harlequin Floors, the world leader in floors, stage systems, and studio equipment for the performing arts. Our podcast puts the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Anna Robb. And my name is Ana Aguilera. On this episode, we talk to Carlos Alexis Cruz about the intersections of theatre and circus. Carlos holds an MFA in physical theatre from the Delarte International School of Physical Theatre, where he studied a range of movement techniques, including Commedia Delarte, Lavan, Lecoq-based theatre dynamics, Alexander technique, as well as the extensive voice training in the Linklater voice method. As part of his thesis project, he went on to train circus arts and Chinese acrobatics under the tutelage of master coach Lu Yi at the San Francisco Circus Center. He specialized in the disciplines of aerial straps and acrobatic rope. Cruz is the assistant professor of physical theater at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, offering theater students rigorous training in physical theater, stage acrobatics, circus arts, and vocal techniques. In the professional realm, Carlos was a full-time company member of the Do Jump Dance Theater and Imago Theater, touring nationally and internationally. He is the co-founder and artistic director of the Pelu Theater Project, a physical theater company mainly interested in researching the convergence between contemporary circus arts and theater, as well as the founder and producing artistic director of the Nouveau Sud Circus Project, a contemporary social circus initiative rooted in the underground dance, acrobatic, physical theater scenes present in the vast array of cultures in the urban regions of Charlotte. Carlos, welcome to Theatre Art Life. Uh, thank you so much uh, for having me and uh, I look forward to this conversation. So this is such an interesting um, career that you have, but how did you start in, in you know, in acrobatics and physical theatre? Was this something you did growing up? So, wow. So <laughs> I appreciate often these kind of questions on how things start and, you know, like oh, often you start reminiscing and you catch your point in history somewhere. So in the timeline. So we'll see where today that goes. Uh, but I am originally from Puerto Rico, uh, born and raised in the island. And uh, as part of the training in Puerto Rico, I, uh, you know, I was connected to the Latin Amer experimental Latin American theater current you know from work with uh with malayerba in ecuador with Tujashkani in peru and companies that that dealt uh with physical action as a, as a way of creation so i think in the once i decided because uh you know again as i said like you jump somewhere in, in your history um, even though i did sports as a kid and i was a very physical person i never did like theater or, or arts for that matter growing up and I was an engineering major when I decided like uh, that was not for me. I really hated my life, <laughs> even though I have three years of civil engineering. But, you know, it was boring, real boring. So uh, somebody in one of my classes said like he was doing theater. Then I was like, oh, I'm going to check it out. And one thing led to the other. And like I was doing a Comedia del Arte piece. 
And I think uh, it, I think everything happens for a reason. If, if I was called to just do an acting play or regular theater, you know, straight play, probably wouldn't have cut me as much as I was immediately immersed in like, you know, action based theater and being a, a person with gymnastics and sports background, like immediately uh, kind of cut my attention. So, yeah, I mean, I think I began doing theater. I have training in you know, I have done, uh, you know, television and, and commercial stuff in Puerto Rico. I work in Mexico City in my earlier time times. And um, and then now, you know, I gravitated more and more towards uh, a physical base action just in order to transcend the barrier of language and also communicate to a broader audience and so on. But yeah, I mean, I think at broad strokes, I will say, I think I was ex as soon as I was exposed to theater, I was immediately exposed to physical theater, and that was a hook for me. And even though I have done many things, I think that's the thing that kept me always saying, like, I should go back to that. I should be doing that. I think I'm meant to do that. How would you describe physical theater? What makes it special? I often say, like, it's just it's just the 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 work, the artistic uh, performance that begins from the gesture or the action. I tend to say also, you know, I start with many premises, but one of them I say like, you know, a gesture at times can mean more, more than a thousand words. And also a gesture is often similar in many cultures. So a slap in the face is a slap in the face, you know, or somebody putting a hand to stop you is a hand to stop you, you know, and saying like, so I would say for me, you know, thinking about broader characterizations, basically, basically the physical you know, the physical presence of the actor. And then actors engage in that true and very dynamic physical presence, engaging with each other in like, in like you know, in, in, in action and story work, uh, ultimately tells stories forward. And, um, you know, it creates a, perhaps a piece of theater that is, uh, uh, as I said earlier, more communicative, hopefully to a larger audience. So. And you trained with... Um... Uh, master, master coach Lu Yi at the San Francisco Circus Center and so that's where I mean that's kind of takes a step above physical theater I mean that's into the acrobatic realm what was that experience like so yeah but I think uh it, well we'll talk about Lu Yi in a second um but um I, I say so I said my first show in Puerto Rico was in the Comedia del Arte style and then and then even though I, I, I started like uh, training just more traditional acting, I decided during my undergrad days to pursue, you know, to go and, and, and study abroad for, for a few months in Italy. So I studied with Antonio Fava in Italy for three months uh, in Reggio Emilia. And it was in Reggio Emilia where the warm up of the Stadio Internazionale, like it was um, uh, circus arts. And, you know, I, at that moment, I remember thinking, man, I can flip and I can, you know, and I'm in this theater deal. So I, I have to figure this out. Like this would be hoping a whole new avenue. So I went back to Puerto Rico and then I started like, I went back to a gym and said, I got to recover all acrobatic skills that I can do, tumbling and so on. And then decided to pursue my graduate degree in physical theater at uh, the Delarte International School. And then, you know, when I was at Delarte, a couple of students came from ENC, from Ecole Nationale du to like train clowning at Del Arte and they say oh they're you know Chinese folk coaching is amazing in San Francisco we should go down there so I kind of follow that through and then I ended up like working with Lu Yi every summer when I was in graduate school and that's kind of how I ended 
sort of like truly founding a pathway for convergence of circus and theater, like uh, sort of serendipitous and also sort of like following like, different leads and different people. Uh, training with Lu Yi was uh, as humbling as it can be and also as, as charging and as energizing. Um, Lu Yi, you know, as, in, as a person that has former acrobatic background but was training theater, you know, to go to a circus school it's probably not the, uh, especially for Chinese coaches, is not like it's not like the best pathway. Like they, Lu Yi, I remember it's like <laughs> I remember vividly him saying to me, you know, you you've done too much yoga, you're too wobbly, and like <laughs> saying like saying like I don't know if you can do this. You are you're an actor, <laughs> and I was like hell no. Like you know, yes, I'm an actor, but I have other dreams within the theater realm, and I wanna go back to be you know using the acrobatic language and so on so i'm gonna prove this guy wrong that's what i kept thinking <laughs> i was demoralized for a second but i i i i um i push hard and then i also remember at one point say yeah yeah you you've worked hard <laughs> you work hard for this you're doing good the thing that i enjoy right now is uh, in academia too and it's something that actors can learn more than also a vocabulary it's also that level of humbleness that the training of acrobatics brings to the table like I said, in circus, there's no gray areas. Either you can execute a skill or you can't. And we live in theater world in so many like, um, you know, subjective spaces that is really at times, you know, say what is what it is and what it isn't, right? And it also, uh, at time, harping, you know, people just start believing themselves just because they think they can do certain things and have received certain feedback. And then they are encountered with a discipline that, no, you can't do it. And for you to do it, you got to build these progressions. So, you know, it's that's very humbling. And then from that, you can say, apply all of that that you're thinking and that level of progression to everything that you do. And I think it opens more spaces for people to continue to push themselves. So I think in the way that I speak to students, kind of saying that same thing, I think that did the same to me. Because, uh, you know, at, at, uh, in graduate school, I remember having clown coaches like and clown professors saying to me, like, you know, you got to work harder on this or on that. And I was like, I, I've done this. I'm a professional. Like, you know, what are you talking about? But and then I started training with Louis and I was like, oh, no, like I have ways to go and I <laughs> never finish. And I think um, more than anything, it's just it's just like the work is never done. In circus, you train constantly. And as performers, we just think about that. We always train and keep training constantly. And now you've kind of been working your way towards this intersection between theater and circus i think at a time i just was probably naive thinking that i was changing the world and doing something completely different and the reality like in always there's also always somebody that i have done something similar i thought something about because um there was there i was coming from puerto rico and then doing this circus training and then i saw um you know one of the Seto de la no not Seto de la Men, um uh, was circa Luas at the time with daniel de pasca show and i was like oh shoot like that is exact, that is exactly you know the kind of thing and the sensitivity of the human sort of nature and action that i want uh to see on stage i want people to feel and i want people to be moved by you know, things, things that for me became very evident in the world of circus arts, which is, you know, not the, for example, the clown character as a naive in a world of eccentrics and experiencing, you know, things that happened a bit very boldly uh, in a very 
simple way. I think the simple reaction is the simple presence of the clown is something that like I thought that could be very meaningful to bring the audience back to understand this crazy world that we live in um, and to continue to explore sort of that kind of narrative in the creation of work. The acrobatic gesture, I often say too, uh, my, one of my first phrases was, in circus arts, you people literally sacrifice their lives in front of you for the sake of the performance, for entertainment, for, you know, for, for that, for that performative event, right? Um, if, if we uh, put a little bit more intention, intentionality, I think, in the work, then acrobats are also sacrificing their lives to tell the story that they want to tell you, literally. And to think about that perspective, I think, uh, I always thought, you know, seeing, understanding that as an audience brings you to the edge of the seat because you go like, shoot, like there is... The, the, the level of like the, the, the of danger here is tangible, right? The in circus dramaturgy overcoming in circus you overcome physical obstacles and the physical obstacles are clear, you know what you're seeing. And on top of that, you you kind of start getting more and more connected to those people that are in front of you doing these sacrifices. I think um, it, you know, it, and, my, and, and and you'll hear this in the conversation with me because my research has taken take me back and forth from my own training to like moving on to the work that I'm doing right now to researching indigenous acrobatics and in the Americas, in particularly Mexico and so on, and then like thinking that we have always have had instances in our history in which people do sacrifices to tell the story, to connect with something special, to connect with an audience or a larger population. So in the case of the indigenous, to, to connect with the gods and so on. So I think there's so much power in there that is untapped. And I think in an age in which like the world keeps pushing us to like the fake, the, the disconnected, the, the, the media-driven, like... The aspect of community, of like, of, of liveness, of circus arts, of that sacrifice that happens in front of you, of the the margin of error that is so tight and the, and is so clear and is so special when it's like overcome. Um, there's something to that that enamors me and continues to like. I continue to think that that's an outlet that there are still ways to go in which we can um, maximize the potential of this vocabulary. I think so too. I think because, I mean, historically, when you think about circus, it hasn't so far long ago evolved from just that da, 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 act, transition, another act, another act. There was more on the spectacle of it than an actual narrative and a story. And numerous c companies have gone into the, the this blend of a theatrical story plus, plus the circus acrobatics. And I think it's still quite young in its in in its iteration, and I've been involved in some circus shows that have tried to tell stories, and it's been somewhat successful, but not clearly successful in telling a story. And and many people have tried to to do that, and I, and I still think there's a there's a push pull in terms of you know where where are you showcasing somebody's ability, and where are you telling a story, and and how does that, and how do you can consistently deliver both throughout the arc of a show, and that's quite fascinating for me. I, I wonder. You know, do you find that a challenging process when you think about creating a show in that way? Oh, oh yeah, uh, you know, all the time in many angles. Like, and I often, depending on the level of acrobatics that are being performed on stage, at some point, the acrobat's attention cannot be elsewhere but the action to be executed. 
And in that often, I mean, uh, you know, you know, in trying to choreograph certain things, you you are creating this scene, and there's so many attention to other people or the audience and so on. But at some point in the act, the thing goes inwards, and it has to happen inwards, or else the level of danger becomes pretty high, right? The acrobat is not connected to the actual acrobatic gesture, and you know, so so that in itself, it's um, it's a struggle if we just try to uh, apply some kind of theatrical dramaturgy to the creation of work under using circus arts. I think the way that I have learned from that process is actually just, just understand that. And that's part in that moment of that particular scene or action, like there's that for sure. Like, you know, and that, and that, you know, no shine or no, like trying to hide that. So that's one thing to, you know, sometimes if you are trying to create a show that carries a story is not about the skill display. And, you know, and, and certain audiences and certain groups, you know, of producers aim and want the skill display. And that's another angle that for me is a struggle because uh, in these days in which we're creating this piece right now that is going to hit national tour and so on, we've been talking to potential producers for these upcoming seasons. And like you, we have lost some bookings just because we have prioritized actually the, the, the story than the, the than trying to do a triple backflip it's a conundrum that i i'm gonna insist and i think we're gonna break through I'm, we're gonna insist in the fact that you know the the story and the bodies in the case of like nuva suit is the important thing this is these are black and brown bodies in the united states telling stories of our underrepresented communities with circus arts as a unifying vocabulary you know all of that is raw in our work that's not to say that in the process i struggle at time thinking like you know should i do a little bit more like am i missing something you know am i going too far away from the circus <laughs> when you know into which way am i appropriating a language you know what i'm saying like all those questions come to mind and then but soon after i prioritize the story that we want to tell and understand that the, the use of this vocabulary for us that lives within us uh, has a, a motive that is, it's, is as I said, is, is beyond just some some of the things that we have seen and some of the kind of uh, blocks or, uh, you know, kind of typecasting to use uh, the theatrical metaphor that people want to put us in. And now a moment for our sponsor. The Theatre Art Life podcast is proud to be sponsored by Harlequin. Harlequin is the world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. Established in the UK over 40 years ago, Harlequin is the preferred performance floor for the world's most prestigious dance and performing arts companies, theatres and schools. From the Royal Opera House to the Bolshoi Theatre, the New York City Ballet to the Royal New Zealand Ballet. Harlequin's experience and reputation are founded on the development, manufacture and supply of a range of high quality sprung and vinyl floors specifically designed for dance and the performing arts. Backed by an engineering team and independent research, Harlequin also designs, builds and refurbishes stages working with stage engineers and theatre consultants in leading venues across the world. Harlequin is the global leader in its field with offices in Europe, the Americas and Asia Pacific. Find out more at harlequinfloors.com, H-A-R-L-E-Q-U-I-N floors.com. So do you want to talk since you already started Talking a little bit about Nuvo Sud and the current projects you're working on. So Nuvo Sud, just 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 a brief history on Nuvo Sud here. 
Um, it's it started when I moved to Charlotte for an academic position. I saw two things very glaring here, and it was the lack of diversity in the stages and the lack of circus in this region. And for that, it occurred to me, well, I'm gonna go, I, the problem of that is a problem of access, because I've always believed that like talent resides with people. And is at times, it's just different sectors in our communities don't have that equal access. So I started teaching some workshops and, uh, you know, in the region and so on. And ultimately, I uh, created this company. And it began from, because it began from the community up, we got all the potential hiccups of what it goes from non-professional to having professional aspirations. But in the process, I think because we lean primarily on like being that troop in these bodies and in this community and so on, that kept... Uh, opening doors for us and you know a previous show to the one that we're doing now was called Revol and it was about the confederate flag as a divisive symbol in the south and for those of, uh, of our audience here that don't know much about it but the confederate flag is a flag that became emblematic in the civil war and ultimately uh, is still used like like still like confederate soldier stashes and so on as a tactic uh, for um creating fear in the streets and then it's an emblem of racism still in the south of the united states so we created this piece uh, the story of a flag a show called revolt examining why do we still uh want to sort of like portray or bring out this kind of like emblems uh, just to give you a little bit of a perspective of like not only we are story-based uh circus theater I, that's another thing you know, people call uh, Nivosia or uh, contemporary circus the work that we do. I all the time call it called it circus theater, to like the you know, to to to, to probably like um, the this uh, the disagreement of many, especially circus researchers. Um, and also, the name Nouveau Sud uh, comes as a play on word from um, the what people call here the New South, like the more progressive South. And also the Nouveau Cirque, like the contemporary circus. So ultimately we're called Nouveau Sud, just playing on those words. Our most recent show is called La Bestia. And um, in understanding that the Central American community in the Southeast, Southeast in the United States is probably uh, first generation, uh, completely underrepresented and probably undervalued. And, um, you know, rights violated constantly in terms of ice raids and stuff like that. We we wanted to shine some light to that reality, but from like a beginning perspective. I think in general, people people don't know in this country, you know, that migration actually is not, uh, how do you say, un capricho, like we said in Spanish. Nobody says, you know, I'm cool in my country. I got to get out of here. I mean, I'm going to go and try something else somewhere else. Like most people that do that, like people that don't have that perspective, have education and have, well, you know, have different pathways. Most people that migrate have to do it by necessity. Like there is something that is affecting the family situation, the life situation, uh, you know, more often than not, life and death situation that they have to flee. And they come to our this country, in this case, the United States, to be judged from the beginning, from the moment people set foot here. My point with Nuvesud and with La Bestia was to bring attention to the migrant, to the migrant journey, bring attention also to what it is uh, 
crossing Mexico, but we dilute that very lightly. But you know how we make our for our own people in Latin America, we also sometimes are the ones that are putting the, the tripping foot. But ultimately, uh, you know, kind of giving the perspective of like the journey, as I said, happened by necessity. It's nothing easy. And once you get to this country, it's just beginning. So I think bringing that perspective, maybe, and hopefully uh, we open the door for people to be a little more compassionate, again, you know, for each other. And, you know, and as an example of like any population to the Latinx population here in this country is one thing. And also bringing the perspective that we are all immigrants, you know, we are all nomads by nature as humans. And if we just try to think about a more global perspective of this kind of subject matter, we hopefully will be less quick to judge and more open to listen and hear. Well, that's uh, that's no small topics to bring into your theatrical circus. That's It's amazing. And I think, you know, I mean, it's it's quite profound to think that, especially in that region, to be uh, what is the word um, approaching those topics and putting that on stages. I commend that. Um, is, and how is that kind of stuff received when you when you put it out there? It is, um, you know, we so we have got, uh, grown accustomed to to that our shows are never done or finished. Like we continue the shows with open conversation post shows, and. I mean, I would like to you if I didn't say we have gotten people saying we create liberal pizza, <laughs> you know, like, yes, let's just keep it there. And, uh, you know, at the same and and I've and I have had foundations at come and talk to us and say, maybe you all should like be less political. Like maybe that's, uh, you know, if you're a little bit less political, maybe that's an angle that you can get a little more funding. Both things we say, no. <laughs> You know, that's not what we do. I think in part, I have had the luxury since I'm a college professor, like I don't I don't have to abide to those things. And I kind of like, you know, stand in resistance and probably with the company members that have created this troop of people that follow the same kind of like mission. We all kind of believe in that pathway and, and, and have come to it without, you know. I, I will call it just naive in their work, just in the fact that we just we we are not necessarily in it for like the money making. We are here more for the for the stories that we want to tell primarily that we just keep going. But, you know, I so those are the, the negatives, which honestly are very few. The positives. Pe- people people see themselves like we have had for the works in progress that we've done for the migrant show La Bestia. Like families come to us and and say, I came the first show and I'm I'm here for the last pitch show and I actually brought this whole for my whole family because I wanted all of us to see see this and I wanted my kids to see this story because this is my story this is how I migrated so on and so forth and like when you know when you hear that it's just like th- that is the most reassuring thing for me that's why we do art I often say you know art can be art and we often aim to entertain and have a good time and have the audience have a good time but when art intersects reality especially real subjects that are affecting people in real time there's something special there because we open a conversation that you know is a door that is not often open for people and because in our shows as i said we don't just do the show and like walk away we know that we are laying on the ground 
pretty heavy subjects that for a lot of people, especially in the region where we live in, this is very counter to everything they have heard of to the point probably that they get to see to our venue. We, we are we are there to listen. And then we we hear these voices of these people that feel represented and people that have some antagonistic perspective just being there conversing. So, you know, almost the performance becomes a pretext uh, for the actual community conversation, which ultimately, for me, that's the most important thing. I mean, I enjoy providing space for artists to, to create and work and see themselves and train and do circus and theater and all of that. But ultimately, what I would like to see is more community conversations about pressing issues of like often underrepresented voices. Like that's the heart of Nubesud and that's the heart of most of the work I do. And when those instances happen, which is actually, you know, after every show, um, it's, it's, you know, it, that's the that's the only like, you know, that I look for, like the only tap in my shoulder that I am like, dang it, cool. Yeah, that that's we we we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Gave me the goosebumps to just listen to your story with the families over there, but uh, maybe it's also both a region and a subject that I'm familiar with. Yeah. So, how do you work, or how does it all come together when you're teaching? And like, it's not very common to have, or I it, I haven't come across this in in my experience of having circus training in higher, formal higher education, like university training, not in a circus school kind of training. So how does this work for you? Just by by paving the way and opening doors and like saying, there's I'm not accepting no's for answers, kind of, you know. I mean, when I, listen, like I, I'm in a theater department and I often say I'm probably the less theater people, person people we're gonna find in that department you know i i i am a per- yeah, i'm a performer and I, I i like the performing arts and i like the blend of the performing arts and i remember my other my undergrad degree my first one is actually in film studies and people used to call the seventh art you know film the seventh art and it's the like the mix the mix of all arts and i often say no the mix of all arts happens in life performance that's what we do I landed in a department that there were so many transitions. And when those transitions were happening, there were opening spaces for other courses. So like teach this foundation acting class that has tumbling and have dancing as part of it. And then the, the my 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 second, like the how do you say the progression, the second course that follows that one, you know, as part of acrobatics and maybe touching based on some aerial elements and some other manipulation fields. So I already was providing foundation circus elements in uh, theater classes. The intent, so the interest between mask theater classes that I taught at the university and also, you know, some of the work as I started developing new Vesuvius, the students were like asking for circus classes. So I opened a circus intensive that happens every summer. Um, that's the only way that in a university like mine, you can have enough time with the students to provide a uh, sort of like direct coaching as, uh, in how do you say intense direct coaching as is needed often to get people started in circuits and which will give them probably enough knowledge to try or continue training by themselves, you know, for a couple of other skills until they have to actually coaching and so on because it's often like that right it's like 
And actually, when I trained with Lu Yi, he gave me a lot of material, and then I worked on my own, and then I came back to him, and you know, so on. So that you know, I just I just opened. So a crack, and I was like, I think that's like that in everything that I do. I see a crack open in the door, and I just go like little, I go, and then and I just fully open that door and forget about it, just go through. And I, I think that I wanted to say in the, you know, I'm actually an associate professor at the university now, a tenure professor, and my tenure case was the case of new. Um, so I, that's what I wrote about, and that's what I based everything on. So. So just that is an example of somebody who went through the process creating social circus or social circus as the case for that. I am an equity coordinator and assistant to the dean currently. And then I'm going to say this is, you know, but I am now uh, accepted a position as uh, I'm creating an MFA program in community-based arts in my university. And that program is going to have at... uh, uh, at center, the work of Nivesud, and is going to bring Nivesud a first case study, although it's an interdisciplinary angle for community-based arts. So ultimately, I'm, you know, I'm going to be welcoming visual arts, dancers, and so on. So, you know, ways in which in academia, the training of acrobatics actually can change the landscape a little bit. I think it has changed the way that we, you know, teach acting uh, in ways like things become more tangible instead of the subjective angle i think it gives a perspective of moving vocabulary that people can fly literally see themselves in the air and they're they're excited about that perspective and bringing vocabulary that is so exciting for um for our communities and it's so embedded in most of our communities that that we see that it can be used as a unifying language like it's what ultimately is the heart of nubesu which uh is now becoming the will be become the heart of this new graduate degree in my university which will be very unique to not only the unc system but probably this country so i feel like you know at this juncture of this interview i have definitely the work uh cut out for myself in the future uh but i'm so thrilled for like what we can do with this work and as i said at the beginning of the interview it's just the acrobatic language is very rich and it's very uh, raw and it's very human. And we connect in a human way that sometimes, you know, when we try to be too cerebral or too like caught into ideologies, like we just don't give us the present in front of each other. So yeah, I mean, I I I, I find my ways just to just to I have found ways, and I I am excited that those ways um, have created some roots here. That's amazing. I, I really I really like your idea, and I've never really thought about it that way. Of you know, the circus arts feeds that tangible nature of artistic evolution and development, rather than like you said, rather being a little bit ethereal in other sense about what is what what is good and what is bad and I think uh I never really thought about it that way so I appreciate that 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 thought process the other thing I think that it's really interesting for me that and you know and that uh bringing that ethos and that approach into academia is something that is quite groundbreaking because I think right now most uh, arts institutions that are training um artists and you know technicians and stage managers and all of that is there for you know to go feed the corporate machine of of theatre and 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 production. So to redirect that focus into you know 
a community or social circuses or, or, or those sort of, you know, what arts has stemmed from, what we, you know, ch- changing culture, ex- um, exposing culture, being a mirror of culture and working within the communities is just, uh, I mean, it's really inspiring. And actually I've, I've come across a number of these initiatives recently that has made me feel a lot more um, <laughs> hopeful about the arts in the future because I think it's it's necessary. We we went really into the the corporate realm and I and I think we've got to get back to why why this careers and art forms exist in the in the first place and 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 to you know for for anybody that says art should not be political I mean that's just the most ridiculous thing arts has always been political even from the the jester you know poking fun at the king many years ago when you know in 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 traditional theatre right like that was the way that they could comment on society that was the way that they could ridicule society or rich people or or the way people live that's embedded in arts so I commend you for your mission it's 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 amazing and I want to come and see some of that work when I get to America for sure me too I created a show, and this is a show in which we use some circus, but also was physical theater and whatnot. It was uh, it was part of a trilogy of work that I'm doing uh, of the migrant perspective, and it was Picaro, which is a solo piece, and then La Bestia, which is the one that I talked about with Nubesud, but then I, I did a show with the students called Migrant X. In uh, that show was a commission piece with a playwright, and just uh, the story that like is uh, kind of plays in. I was able to work with uh, deferred action uh, students here, like uh, students that are on the DACA, uh, you know, they're undocumented and with permits to study. The the students uh, in the process decided to change the script and talk to the playwright about like how her their stories were not represented. So we did so and working with a playwright that you know that that, that was kind of in line with our our views like she was completely game with it right she's also mexican-american and so on this show was presented here was a walk-in show it had a reality there is no services really no scholarship for daca students like the students said that straight up and it was also done in choreography and gesture and some lifts and acrobatics and so on the provost came to see the show and we directed the provost to come let's see that particular angle so you know that connects directly you know again arts intersect reality like we are in the creative process the student brings reality we change that we intersect another point of reality and just try to be catalysts of of, you know of literal changes by doing the work and i said like and if 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 my example of like going through crack doors open doesn't tell you more like um anna probably know this or no you know i'm i am currently the president-elect of the association of theater in higher ed so like the largest association of theater professors in this country and in part i owe that to the work of Nivesu, to the work of in community to the work of of doing socially conscious work and my side of social circus is primarily circus for social change right circus for social action and a circus for social intervention so um so you know I don't know. I don't know until. I mean, I I don't know how long I can keep doing these many things. Say that as of now, um, I mean, the passion the passion is will always be there, and I think the stories will continue to rise. I only hope that in and and again, one of the reasons why I'm in academia, I want to see more people empowered more people feeling that the arts have different instead of like i keep saying to myself i I used to begin just by saying don't wait for your call create your own work 
there are ways in which you can generate some work, get some funding, begin your own work, and who knows, that's going to get momentum and ultimately you create your own company. There's avenues like that. Now I say that, and on top of that, I say don't let anybody shush you or sh- you know, shush you or try to quiet you. Like, do your own work and speak your truth directly and strongly. Nothing is going to stop you, honestly. As artists, we have a lot of freedom. We don't live in other places in which, like, you know, our lives might be more in danger. We are in here. We can say things. And I think the more we say things, the more, the bigger the chances we have that people are going to listen. If we keep being quiet, nobody's going to listen. <laughs> and then there's not going to be any change. So as artists, we just can't be quiet. That's the gesture's going to be quiet. Like, we can't be quiet. That's what I'm saying. Love it. I think that's uh, a great way to wrap up this conversation. And uh, thank you very much for sharing with us. Yeah, thank you, Carlos. That was amazing. But yes. Don't be quiet. Um, thank you both. Don't be quiet, speak your truth. And, you know, acrobatics is such a bold language and it brings us into a level of humanity. And ultimately, that like that's what we need. We, we need community, literally, people in front of each other with a common goal, looking ahead, to feel each other in presence of each other and just dream, you know. So, anyways, Amazing. thank you. I love it. Thank you, Carlos. <laughs> Theater at Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only 38 US dollars per year. You can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theaterartlife.com.